Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. Foot homemade oak bar, pour yourself a cold one. My name is Chris, his name is Craig. This is Bucks in the Basement. 30 minutes of Bucks for fans, by fans. And we did not have an episode last week due to technical difficulties, which include sitting at the bar, recording a show, Craig goes home, and then all of a sudden I find out there's some weird clicking noise that just like every time you open your mouth, it was like something out of a really bad, it was as if I was talking to somebody in a drive through lane. That was broken circa 1984. That's what if that's what it sounded like. It was unusable. We weren't able to get back together again quick enough to be able to put a show out last week. So my apologies, but everything seems to be working right now, my friend. Yeah, it's, it'll be like the uh, the Bucks in the Basement lost episode. So if anybody like wants to sit through it at some point in time and just be annoyed by the clicking sound that we could both hear, yeah, it was absolutely terrible. You can't hear anything you say. Every time you start a word, it goes with like this horrible noise comes out. After I mean, it's unlistenable. There is no lost episode to this. Nothing. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care who you interviewed. If this was Ben Charrington exclusive on Bucks in the Basement, I'd be like, yeah, but nobody's gonna be able to understand a word he's saying. That's how bad it was. It was awful. Yeah. So uh, we'll do better. We apologize. Luckily, it's in the off season, so not a big deal. I mean, we're all gonna get through. Nothing really happened in the last week and a half, did it? In the last two weeks, like, uh, like what happens It's the last time people t- like heard from us that that has been exciting with the Pirates? Yeah, I mean, last week, uh, not a lot of other news has come out even since we, you know, recorded that episode. We talked about Andrew McCutcheon and why the Pirates shouldn't want him. I remember that conversation. It was stupid. You don't want Andrew McCutcheon and Andrew McCutcheon doesn't want you. I think I I talked about that for 10 minutes. So right there, that's 10 minutes of a 30 minute show. We don't have to do again because guess what? Andrew McCutcheon doesn't want to come here and finish his career when the moment that this team gets good enough that somebody's going to take his position, he's going to get let go halfway through a season. Nobody wants to finish that way. And it doesn't benefit the Pirates because by the time you're good, he isn't going to be playing baseball anymore. It's just a stupid idea. Yeah, and that's basically what we touched on. And we touched on the fact that a lot of the experts were actually saying that he needs to go to a team where he can play the field sporadically and and play DH. Right. But now the Pirates, you know, they're finding their DH because the big news, Chris, is that Yoshi Yoshi Tutsugo want to bring him back. Like Ben and Ben and him are still talking. I love this move. I love this move. You hate this move. You don't get this move. I love this move. One because I think there's going to be a universal DH. Like, I really do think there's going to be a universal DH. Secondly, I loved what he did in the back end for the Pirates. Like, they, I think they think that they figured something out with him that other teams hadn't the time to figure out. That they think they have something with him. And that's what you do during a rebuild. You're, you're trying to find that guy that's a cast-off, and then you figure out how to unlock him, and now you have a piece that another team mistakenly let go of. 
And, you know, I was looking, you were complaining about, like, his defense, right? Like, this, this is what Craig was yelling about before we turned on the microphones. Like, what, what are you going to use him for? And I get it. I understand it. But when you look at his defensive runs saved, just this year, or last year in 2021, it went, and you look at him between the Dodgers and the Pirates, he didn't do very well in the field for the Pirates, admittedly. In the outfield, not very good. He actually was a positive output for defensive runs saved when he was out with the Dodgers. But when you put them both together, he's still a negative, fine. But at first base, he is an average, basic, like if he's supposed to make the play, he makes the play, and if he doesn't, he doesn't. And and I think that like for all that we say about Colin Moran, a 30-year-old Satsugo, who's about to he's about to turn 30 right now, has just as good of a chance of being the guy standing at first base as the team starts to turn the corner as Moran right now. And I think it's nice to have some healthy competition and not just assume that Kyle Moran's your first baseman. Yeah, and I can I can definitely see that. But the part with me, Chris, is that we're saying that like maybe he figured something out. And we had, I think, a whole episode way back in the thing that we talked about how, you know, the, the Japanese leagues is more like a double-A, possibly a triple-A he just needed to come over here. He was overwhelmed by the fastball and that maybe he was starting to figure some stuff out. And and I've looked at this a few times and it can only be compared because he was with us for such a short amount of time, but there was a couple like common foes or common competition towards the back end of the season. We played the Cubs a bunch. We played the Reds a bunch. The first time through that they've ever seen Yoshi the, Red, the Reds and the Cubs, and that's two of the teams that we played, you know, more than once when he was with us. He went nine for five, hit three home runs, drew three walks, and struck out five times. It's like a 360 average. The second time he faced these two teams, who were actually pretty terrible teams, I feel like they figured him out because he only managed four hits, no home runs, two walks, Struck out 10 times for a 167 average. Basically, the guy still can't hit the fastball. And for some reason, the first time around, they're throwing him like lollipops. And I really don't get it. All right. So here, let me throw some things out to you, some stats. We're going to have some fun, Craig. All right. Because I know that you're like, I don't like this. I don't like this move. And I don't think you're seeing exactly what Ben Charrington and the Pirates are seeing. Okay. So I'm going to give you two players here. Player A. I love doing this stuff. Player A, 268 batting average, 883 OPS. That's player A. Player B, for your team, 258 batting average, 724 OPS. Which one is the better offensive player? I mean, depending on what the sample... I, I, the sample <laughs> size, is, it will, I, I will always go back to it. It's like my fall thing. All right. I'm, I'm pretty sure 268 is Yoshi. Yeah. And the other one is probably Moran. Right, and the OPS that goes up over 160 points higher, okay? Yeah. Now, I know for the season, you can make the argument, well, you know, if you look at Yoshi's entire season, not as good. But for the Pirates, he did very well because he did. they think that they found something in him. Now, let's look at defense. You have a defender that is a negative five defensive run saved above average, meaning against the average player at his position at first base, negative five. And you have another one that when you use 
their entire season negative one. Which one is the better defensive player? The negative one. All right, that's Yoshi. Yoshi's a better first baseman defensively, according to defensive metrics, a better first baseman, and in his time with the Pirates, which was 144 at-bats last year, was a much better hitter than Colin Moran. And now here's the thing. This is the flip side thing. This is the little added argument. You don't want to send Yoshi out into the outfield. He's brutal, right? Yeah. But Moran, in his small amount of time when you send him out into the outfield, is a zero to negative one defensive run saved. He's at least average. He's not killing you out there, right? So if by by bringing on Yoshi and having him be your everyday first baseman, if you actually think as the Pirates, this will help us a little bit defensively, and we might get more out of the bat. And Moran becomes a fourth outfielder who can fill in at first base. That's a positive for your team. And then you could turn around when the DH occurs and both of them can play. But I think the Pirates right now, if they actually go out and they make this signing and they bring Yoshi Satsugo back, that's because Colin Moran is not the starting first baseman. That's what I believe. Yeah. I mean, it and Colin Moran, unfortunately, was, was hurt a lot during this year. So... I think this was kind of his prove-it year. I just, I, Chris, I... His best year, he didn't break. His best year, with the exception of when he had seven games played for Houston when he was 24 years old, and when he's actually playing full seasons, his best year, where he had the highest OPS that he had, was in the shortened 2020 season. That was it. Other than that, he's generally under 100 OPS plus. He's down in the low 700s, and they just watched the guy come to their team, work something out with them, and become a much better hitter during those several months than what Moran did. In fact, Moran's at-bats and plate appearances in 2020 is almost the exact same amount that Yoshi got in 2021 with the Pirates. And Moran's short sample size in 2020, his best year OPS-wise, still doesn't match up with Yoshi in the same sample size from when he got to the Pirates. I think the Pirates look at him and say, better than Colin Moran. And I I don't deny that because, I mean, I'm getting to the point right now that I don't think it's too hard to be much better than a lot of the people on the Pirates. So <laughs> That's a great, that should be like a t-shirt. It's getting to be that it's not very hard to be better than a lot of the people on the Pirates. Knit that, crochet that, and put it in a frame someplace in your grandma's basement. That's amazing. Yeah, because I, I think it's just more my frustration. I think I've just kind of, I've had it with, with fans to a degree, and I am a fan, of just getting overly elated with the possibility of a guy who I believe is not going to perform as well as he did during that small sample size, because I think that he may have figured something out, but we were finally getting to see Major League Baseball punch back, and he wasn't doing so well, that they're going to be wanting to DFA him by the middle of June, and and Ben Sherrington's going to have gone out and spent four to $6 million on a year for this guy, with the hope, which here's the thing is, people, with the hope of flipping him. If you are signing Yoshi to this ball club, unless it's a two to three year deal, if it comes in as a one year deal, guess what their goal is to flip him. Guess what Yoshi probably wants to do in his time in America, because he says he wants to stay in America. He would probably like to be 
on a competitive team at some point. Well, everybody wants to be on a team competitive. Why do you think he went to the Rays and then went over to the Dodgers? I mean, I know he got traded to the Dodgers, but it's like I might, might want to see this work out. It wasn't for a little while that he was down in AAA that they, he finally went to the Dodgers and said, well, if they're not going to use me that much, I need somebody. To, I want somebody to put me on a major league deal, and that's what the Pirates did. But here's the thing. If I were the Pirates, I'd sign him to a three-year deal. I'd sign him for his 30, 31, and 32 seasons. I'd have absolutely no problem with that. I think you'll get value out of him. If he if he works out for you, he's actually hitting for you when you're finally becoming good. And if not, you can kind of eat that last year or move him on or move him to the bench where I think he could be a contributor. You know, Colin Moran's going to be a free agent around that same time in 2024. This team right now is sitting around thinking to themselves, I don't know. Like I, it's pretty much the same guy. They're almost the same age. I, I think Ben Charrington likes Yoshi more than he likes Colin. I, I really do think that. I think that and, that's and, 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 what and this means. And I think means. a part of it is, it, I think a part of it is ego on Charrington's part because he's the one that found him. Right. It's not to- right. Moran's not his guy. Moran, Moran was was brought in as an acquisition that didn't work out in the way that Pirates fans wanted him to, to work out. And he had one little flash in a in a shortened two-month season in 2020 where he finally showed something, and he came back out this year when he got a full season, and it didn't work out for him. Look, I, I've had this argument with so many of my friends that watch baseball. I've said this on this podcast. I've said it on other podcasts. Whenever I'm talking baseball, now that we can look at the stats from 2019, 2020, and 2021, when you look at most players, most players, their 2019s and their 2021s look the same. They make sense. And the 2020 doesn't make sense. Brian Reynolds, 2020 makes no sense when you look at his 60 games. Okay, let's take one of the top guys in free agency right now, Marcus Simeon, Scott Boris' uh, client, who's trying to make a ridiculous amount of money. Scott Boris right now is just putting a little line right through 2020. He's like, yeah, but look at 2019 and 2021. And I think that's how most GMs are looking right now. So when you look at Kyle Moran, you go, hey, in a nice couple of months. But overall, this is what he is. He's 2019 yeah. and 2021. And, I, and Ben Charrington, this is not his guy. But he brings in Yoshi and he goes, man, I took, he rolled the dice. How many guys did he roll the dice on this year, Craig, where he goes oh, out and he God. just picks up a guy? Minimum, minimum of 20. Right. So he needs to find one of them, right? Like he needs to be able to say, I did that, but I found Yoshi. And that's what he's doing. That's what he's doing. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't think there's any, there's no loyalty to Moran and Yoshi outperformed him this season when you go to, when, when you look at when they're wearing a Pirates uniform, Yoshi outperformed him. And Charrington can sit there and feel to himself like, all right, this guy did better when we got to him and we talked to him and we figured out how to use him. He's a better player. He's better defensively, better offensively. And then they Colin should, Moran's then they not my not, guy. Then they should non-tender Colin Moran because I don't want, I don't want Colin Moran heavy and Colin Moran light on the team. <laughs> You know, I get muscle aches all the time. I've gone from being able to do whatever I want to and not feeling any pain to basically getting pain for any kind of physical activity. Good news, there's a local family-owned Southside business that provides a CBD topical that will not break the bank. Creaky Bone Balm offers concentrated relief for creaky bones. It is an effective hemp-based CBD in a rejuvenating balm. And guess what? It's made in small batches always free of preservatives and all natural ingredients. It's great for muscle aches, tension, inflammation, joint pain. You can even use it for skin ailments like burns and dry cracked skin. Right now, 
Go to creakybone.com and use the promo code BASEMENT. Get 20% off your order. And now check out the new 2,500 milligram balm with reduced pricing on their classic balms right now at creakybone.com. I think it's possible they signed uh, Sasugo to a two to three year deal. Moran gets one year of ARB and then they turn around and, and dump Moran. He, they're not going to, they're not going to ARB him the next year. And I think he'll be a, he's going to be, a, like I said, a fourth outfielder bench piece member of the team. I, I, it, he fills a role there. I, I believe or, that that's or, where or he'll like be. swing, swing man DH. Like exactly. Him, and when, and I think him, they're going to have and, universal him and Yoshi DH. go back and forth at first base. One's right. a DH one. Right. But on the other hand, you could very easily, you look at this team, there's plenty of left left-handed bats on this team. Okay. I mean, Cole Tucker can switch it. Reynolds can switch it. Uh, Gamble's a lefty. O'Neill Cruz, when he gets here, is a lefty. All right. And so for for this team, you're sitting there going, ah, "Do I?" It's not a big deal to say non-tender Colin Moran. I wouldn't be shocked, based upon the idea that they're going after Satsugo and the reports that they might try to sign him. I would not be shocked if Colin Moran is non-tendered. And that's you just mentioned Cole Tucker because I was watching the MLB Network this morning, and guess who they had on as a guest? Cole Tucker. They love that they guy. They love that guy. They do. They love his look. They love his girlfriend, whoever he's dating at the time. They love his attitude. He sucks as a player, but they love him. He's very personable. Yeah. He's a guy that it's just like, man, I keep on saying, I wish he was good. Like, I wish he was good. But right now, I'm still not buying it. His small sample size towards the end of the season, I'm still not buying. I think he's going to be here. And I've always said, Chris, if he's going to be here, dude needs to just play every day. Just play him every day for an entire season. And eat whatever happens. MLB Network loves Cole Tucker. They they have him on all the time. Cole's got a great PR person. And in the offseason, man, you would believe that he is the next big thing. But right now, I, I don't see it. You know, over 406 plate appearances. He's got an OPS plus of 61, a batting average of 217, <laughs> oh and a regular OPS of 602. His on-base percentage is only 272. He doesn't even get on with the walk. He's got a total of five home runs over those 406 in, in plate appearances. I mean, I don't know why people drool over him. It must be the hair. Can you imagine Cole Tucker with a buzz cut? Nobody would ever talk to him. Like, <laughs> I, I imagine Who's that, that guy. I imagine that Cole like constantly is telling somebody, like, ah, I'm thinking about cutting my hair. And they're like, don't do that, man. Nobody's ever going to talk to you ever again. Like, never, never, never. It's never gonna happen, never, ever, ever. Okay. Yeah, because I think I think Harold Reynolds it was like the funniest thing was it was talking to him and he's like, man, it's it seems like just yesterday when you were drafted and then you were like in the Arizona Fall League and and now you're up in the bigs and even oh, Cole him. was like honest and he was like, yeah, it's been a little bit bumpy along the way and I'm like, yeah, Cole, it's been a little bit bumpy. Yeah, it's been a little bit bumpy and you know what? Everybody always says, well, you know, I mean, what if he's just a great defender? He's a negative. Uh, run saved, defensive run saved. He's negative yeah. two for his career right now. It's short, negative seven in the uh, in the outfield overall, uh, with it being negative four in right, negative three in center. He's actually a plus one at second base. Not a defensive genius, though, at second base. He's just, you know, average. A little bit of, <laughs> average to a little bit above average. Saves that one run for you while he's hitting 217. I mean, come on. I mean, like, seriously, Somebody, somebody should grab Cole Tucker 
and just shave his head when nobody sees it. And when he's bald, Cole Tucker, everybody will look at him and be like, hey, you know what? He's not that good of a baseball player. It must have been the hair. Like, I have no other explanation as to why he's on MLB. He's, 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 like, he's like Samson yeah. cutting the hair, cutting the locks. Right. I mean, like, he's got everybody mesmerized by his flowing locks and his killer smile. But he's, he's not a very good baseball player. He's really got to prove otherwise to me. Right now, at 25 years old, not good. Not good at all. And especially with the, you know, the next crop that is supposedly coming in, they should be on the hot seat coming up here pretty soon. I mean, even, I mean, O'Neill Cruz right now is a shortstop, so he could be sh- sticking at shortstop. So at that point in time, you have him and Newman fighting over second base, which are two former, you know, first round picks. But it's got to come down to to somebody after that. Luckily for them, I mean, I know they did, uh, I think it was one of the things that may have gotten cut off. I don't know if we talked about this on the previous show, which was, uh, Diego Castillo being added to uh, the 40 man because he right. had to be, or he would be, you know, a minor league free agent. So they added him to the 40 man. He's a guy that plays uh, mostly, you know, the the middle infield positions um, and third base. He's not going to be playing third base because that's Cabrian Hayes. So there's another guy that's kind of, they're thinking that's pushing the envelope. Rodolfo Castro last year is primarily a middle infielder. Um, who does, you know, show some of the athletic ability to play some outfield, but it's it's pushing those types of guys out. And especially with, you know, Chris, we're going to be talking about here in a couple minutes, the, you know, the who we're going to protect from, you know, the Rule 5 draft. You know, there's, there's a pretty big name shortstop in there who was only in high A last year in Laovo Piguero. But if you're protecting him and he's probably going to you know, start the year out in double A, th- the clock is ticking for, for Cole and especially for Newman now that Newman is you know, arbitration eligible and is going to cost a little bit more money to be a pretty much replacement level player. Yeah, and at this point, the Pirates have to drop anybody that they bring on. When they brought on Castillo, they designated Jose Soriano for assignment. Yeah, and he went back to the Angels. The Angels took him back um, because he's not going to play this year no matter what because he's had his second Tommy John. The Angels are like, okay, we'll just put him in our system and you know, <laughs> and wait for the moment to, to add him to the injured list. Let's look through just a couple of names, and you tell me, and maybe your opinion has changed since the last time that we've talked about this, just you and me. Guys that you need to add on to that 40-man who are going to be Rule 5 eligible if you don't add them on to the 40-man. All right? So let me see if I can find one. We'll start right off with Pagaro. One of your high prospects, middle infielder, double A. And he's Rule 5 eligible if you don't put him on the 40-man. Are you putting him on? Yes. I'm going to put him on. So somebody has to go. And this is the way it is, folks. Travis Swaggerty, center fielder, okay, or outfielder, wherever they end up putting him. Left-handed hitter, Rule 5 eligible if you don't put him on the 40-man. You putting him on there? I think he's going to get put on there. I mean, he like we've talked about this before. Um, he you know got hurt by not being able to play this season with a shoulder injury. Um, I was happy that it was his non-throwing shoulder at the time, but then I've been hearing some stuff and some inklings from listening to, to uh, minor league podcasts and, and reading some stuff on the fact that 
even guys who injure their non-throwing shoulder, it can affect their swing to a degree. Um, I'm still adding them. <laughs> I'm just kind of talking there, but I'm still adding them. But I, I definitely have – it wasn't a guy I was super high on to begin with, but I don't know how you can let this guy go when you had pretty much had him skip, you know, double A, had him skip high A with, with the year off and had him in triple A. I would think that the team thinks pretty highly of him, so I think I would add him. A guy that you plucked from the Nationals, Eddie Yeen, pitcher, sitting in single A. No. 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 That's it for Eddie. No. Not everything works out. Just because we grabbed you doesn't mean that we want to keep you, so you're going to leave him unprotected. doesn't mean that somebody's going to select him. Tanaj Thomas, remember the hype around him at different points. What do you feel about him? Yeah, and I I was was big on him. When we got him, I, I was seeing him as the piece, you know, that we traded for, you know, not Eric Gonzalez, obviously. Uh, but after this last year, it's it's somebody I've looked pretty deep into. He, the kid can can pump it up near 100. But last year, he walked guys at 5.19 per, like, per nine innings pitched. He His strikeouts th- fell to 9.2. And he was giving up almost two home runs per nine innings. He he just and his ERA. If people want to know what ERA, I didn't even look at that because I mean in the minors it's like I was looking at WHIP. The WHIP was like one point five. The ERA was like five something. He regressed completely. I don't even know if he's a starter anymore. I think he's somebody that could be selected. That somebody could say, hey, we can fix this guy. I don't protect him. I think he might be selected. If he is selected, I don't think he sticks with the team that picks him. Just because he's too wild right now. What about Mason Martin? This is another one. It's it's. I've I said no in the beginning because of his K rate. The DH being a factor makes me think that somebody like it's just that extra you know position to pe- put people in and to kind of you know hide them off in and the guy can can hit the ball a mile. The other big thing is, is he's our only first base prospect right now, like in our system. Yeah, it above. doesn't matter though if you go out and get Yoshi and he plays first base for the next couple of years, you can find <laughs> another one. Yeah, I, I, see, I, and that's the thing is, like I, I don't think I'm, I'm not, ha- I'm not too excited about Yoshi. I'm not too excited about Colin Moran. I wish Mason Martin didn't strike out as much because he's a little bit more athletic. I feel he could play the position better. I'm protecting him because of positional need. I don't know if Charrington will do the same. All right. So in your perfect world, it sounds like you're protecting at least three guys, right? Is that what I'm catching up there? I know Mason Martin, Pagaro that you're going to end up uh, protecting. Swaggerty you're going to end up protecting. Was there another one in there that I'm I'm missing? In a perfect world, Chris, and I know, I know when when Charrington came on the first time, he didn't know the system as well. He protected five guys. So I would hope that he would protect at least five guys this time. Really? I mean, like, yes. you got to get rid of five guys then. I mean, aren't you stretching? Like, you don't necessarily have to protect everybody. Like, I don't think teams are just going to come and just go nuts in the pirate system because I don't think the pirate system is, is like, just fraught with insane players that can, that, like, oh, we could just put them up here and hide them in the majors. Like, generally... Pitchers are the ones that people go and grab because they can they can put them on a team for an entire year and they can they can pitch out of the bullpen. So I mean, like you you want to drop five guys? I mean, name me a few guys right now on the roster. You're like definitely I could drop them off the forty man right now and not blink an eye because you got to find five spots. 
Philip Evans. One. Jared Oliva. Two. Man, you're Taylor Davis. Three. Tanner Anderson. Four. I mean, I could drop one of Cody Ponce, Eric Hanhold, or Stephen Brault. All right, we're going to drop two of them when you add Satsugo back onto the 40 man. So there you go. So those are the names that you, that you're probably letting go. at least in Craig's world that's who he's letting go of as he yeah, protects players. Chris, I mean, we're a hundred and one loss team. Like we, I don't at this point in time, if you're not dropping, if you're hopefully extending, you know, at least Brian Reynolds, seeing what Brian does, seeing if he needs an extension at some point, relying the back part of the bullpen on David Bednar. There's not one other person on this roster, and I'm looking at the 40 men. I mean, of course, you got like an Ono Cruz and stuff like that. They're absolutely going to be here. Some of those guys that are coming up at that point in time. But for God's sake, we picked up Eric Hanhold and Greg Allen, which I, I the reason for those moves is because you pick up a guy who somebody else drops because you don't know who you're going to keep number, and also you don't know who else other teams are going to let go of. You don't know who you're going to be able to sign in free agency. Even if the Pirates say, you know what, we're bumping up what we're going to pay a outfielder to like, say, 4 or $5 million this year. Does that guarantee that someone is going to come in and fill that hole at 4 to $5 million? That's not, that's not how this works. People think that if as soon as the Pirates bump it up just even a little bit, they'll be able to find somebody well, you could probably find somebody, but is it going to be as good as everybody thinks it is? But it also doesn't mean that somebody's going to sign for that. You have to like have those negotiations. And if you're going $5 million, you're probably going a couple years on that one. So I don't know. I, I just feel like there's there's so many holes that need to be filled. And there's a lot of guys that, you know, only got, you only got to see for this year and didn't get to see it for the year before because of the lost minor league season. I would have more faith in some of those guys sticking towards the top than I would of of holding on to, you know, a Stephen Brault for another year. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing but they-